Welcome into episode 62 of the Gump Hunters podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law on vacation tonight, so we got to fill in. Josh Dudley, welcome to the podcast, man. I know that you have asked to be on this. I'm going to go LeBron James here. Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. Multiple times you've asked to be on this podcast for years. It seems like you're finally here, man. Welcome to Gump Runners. How's it been going? Been going good. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been like at least eight or nine asks. I've been just wanting to get featured one time, and it uh, feels good to be here for sure. Well, tonight is your night, and, uh, you know, I asked you to be on. You're like, man, I don't want to come on. I haven't been following college football this summer, and I'm like, dude, it don't matter. You know, in the summer, it's hard to find content, um, but we took so long of a break with me coaching baseball and J-Law being so busy with, with spring sports um, these last five or six months that, you know, we wanted to try to do at least one episode a week um, until the season starts because, you know, before you know it, we're, I think we're right at 60 days maybe under 60 days until uh, until the start of the Alabama football season, you know, in, in just a short month away, fall camp's going to start. So uh, we were looking for topics to kind of fill in the gaps. You know, we don't want to just start recruiting every week, the NIL, you know, you can bore people to death with that stuff. So I told you, I said, no, nah, we're, we're going to do a little something a little bit different. We're going to, uh, we're going to do the best of in the Saban era. And I gave you the list of positions we're going to run down tonight. We'll do quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, linebackers and DBs we left out the big guys in the trenches um but I might say that for another day but I was like hey get you a list of three or four and uh and, and we'll talk about them and you know this is so great that we can do this as Alabama fans because we've had such a dominant run the last 15 or so years and uh because you know a, a lot a lot of fan bases out there unless you're really Ohio State maybe Clemson Georgia uh, they, these lists are kind of tough, you know, in, in a certain coach's era to get a top. And really, you could do top tens at every position under Nick Saban just in the last 15 years. And there would be a lot of arguments. So we tried to narrow it down to three or four. Um, and so, uh, you know, without further ado, let's jump right into it and how we're going to do it. Instead of, you know, one person just giving their whole list, we'll go, we'll let everybody discuss their number three and then the number two and then the number one. So, um, Lester, we'll start with you, man. We're going to start with the quarterback position. And, you know, you've got great ones. Uh, ever since, you know, I guess if you want to include Greg McElroy, he did win a national championship. But, you know, you've got A.J., you got Tua, Mac, Bryce, Blake Sims, who we love. I know he didn't win a national championship. Jake Coker is a national championship winning quarterback, even though he got benched in the third game of the season. Um, a lot of heart there. He's adored by Alabama fans. Lester, on your list, give me your number three quarterback in the Nick Saban era. Oh, this is tough. This is hard. Um, so, yeah, mine's going to be a little bit of a mix of the best, who I think is the best, and my, some of my personal favorites. And I'm going to start with number three. I'm going to go with uh, Blake Sams. I would have loved to see him have more years under his belt in, in the system, even in the li- even in the limited experience that he had, he freaking balled out. Um, Kiffin worked some magic as usual, and that was a truly fun offense to watch under him. Yeah, that's a guy that came in as a running back, and then he switched to quarterback, then like to DB for a little bit, then back to running back, and then finally got a shot as a fifth-year senior. And Lester, me and you went and watched him play against West Virginia in Atlanta. And he did not have his best night. We were like, this guy kind of sucks. 
And, you know, a lot of people were calling for the transfer from Florida State, Jake Coker, to take to take over the offense. And uh, Blake Sims just exploded, man. Set at the time the single-game passing record against Florida. A lot of people forget that. Threw for like 440 yards against the Gators in Bryant-Denny Stadium. And, uh, yeah, you know, everybody's just going to remember him for the pick six against Ohio State. But I think that was a bad game plan by Kiffin. You know, Derek Henry is just running the ball down their throat. Um as a sophomore, and then he decides, you know, he's got to air it out. He got a little pass happy. I think he learned his lesson the next year because Derrick Henry ran for about 3,000 yards. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I knew Blake Sims was going to be on your list. Uh, Dudley, who do you have as number three for your for your quarterback quarterback in the Nick Saban era? Who's number three on your list? So, first off, I got to start it with I considered Blake Sims to be on my top three just because how much of a stud he was in that fifth year. Um but uh, number three on my list, so I kind of did the same thing as Lester pretty much throughout all the positions. Like, it's a, it's a mixture, like a 50-50 mix of, like, you know, my favorite guys and then, like, the most talented as well. Uh, but at number three, this was a brutally tough one. But I've got old Tua sitting there at number three. Tua, explain that, you know, because, I mean, gosh, we all know Tua's talent. So no. what I, I'll say, I've, I kind of think about it because I was going to school there when the Tua era happened. So like Jalen, you know, having Jalen come in, Jalen was our QB, you know, the, the year prior. I mean, yeah. Okay. I'm sitting here trying to put all it back in my head. Um, but, you know, anyways, you know, make it to a national championship. Uh, you know, Jalen's basically like been this guy that like Alabama has kind of like formed this identity around, um, you know, like, Jalen was the man, um, ends up, you know, not getting the job done. He kind of struggled, you know, throughout the season. And then Tua comes in, um, in, you know, arguably, you know, top three, you know, biggest game of Alabama history, um, you know, down to Georgia drops or second and 26, but drops the dime to Smitty in like the whole dynamic of the university just changed like that. Um, I mean, Jalen, love Jalen, great quarterback and all, um, you know, great guy, but like he he was gone. Like it was to a show from there on out. And I mean, to a balled out, and at the same time, like he was injury prone. So I don't think he got to fully like give us everything that he actually had. Um, but like when the moments where we did have him where he was 100 percent in my mind, you know, dude was a baller. Um, changed the game, hyped up the offense, kind of and you know, again, like changed the dynamic around the university um so that's who i've got at my number three yeah and you know with with two a lot of people forget that this was a five-star number one dual threat quarterback coming all the way from hawaii and you know it's the farthest commitment alabama's ever got from the united states i guess about as far as you can get but uh this guy comes in and he has all these expectations and he's coming in Jalen's sophomore year as a backup and he's and for, first of all, that's where he got my respect is that he came to compete, um, even though Jalen had just won SEC freshman of the year. Um, he might have won player of the year. I can't even remember I, as a freshman in the SEC. And so you're thinking, oh, he's got the job locked down for at least two more years. So two is going to come in, play some mop up duty and then maybe start as a junior. Um, 
because yeah. he's gonna have too many too many snaps to redshirt because he's gonna have to to slide into the backup role. You know, like you know, it's great if Jalen goes down because he does run a lot and stuff like that. Well, this guy comes in and he's spinning around against Vanderbilt, throwing touchdowns to Devonta in the back of the end zone, like oh. Yeah. Henry Ruggs' first like seven catches at the university were touchdowns. It seems like all of them were from Tua and backup roles. And you knew you saw immediately how much hype and how real this guy was. And oh, then, yeah. yeah, like yeah, like you said, he he steps on the biggest stage that you can step on as a true freshman with very little reps and uh going against one of the best defenses in the country and just shreds them in the second half and, and has to come from behind from 13 points down, has to do it twice. Because people forget that, too. Whenever he threw the ball to uh, Ruggs in the end zone to cut it to 13-7, Fromm came right down the field and hit us with an 80-yard touchdown pass or whatever and made it 20-7. to So, he had to overcome two two-score deficits in that game. Got us to overtime and, uh, and, and won it. And, uh, and then <clears throat> the problem, I think, with Tua was that he had so much hype after that. that like, every time he incompleted a pass, it was like a failure. And it's like nobody allowed him to have any room for error at all. Every single in- interception he threw. Now, granted, he did throw some bad interceptions. We've talked about it on this podcast. But, um, you know, with all the hype that he had, he didn't have a lot of room to fail. And uh, I think whenever he did get banged up and he did fail in some, in some big moments, he caught a lot of – he caught too much criticism for that. But uh, – I agree, man. I'm going to hit one point that you – or you kind of hit on it once or twice real quick about him, but, like, the expectations. I remember sitting in the lake at Lake Martin. We were, you know, drinking beer or whatever, and this was uh, his, you know, before his true freshman year when he was coming in, and, you know, we were sitting there talking about this guy. Like, we're hyping him up, and the expectations are just so high. And a lot of the times, like, Alabama – um, when they have a good, you know, big time recruit comes in, it's most of the time like these guys like that are the small, you know, they, you know, three stars or whatever, they end up like being, you know, superstars for us. And he was kind of like the first guy that like hit those expectations. You know, it was like just every time, bam. But anyways, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, because, you know, he came in with Najee and Najee played well in the fourth quarter of that same national championship in 2017. But then kind of went radio silent for a couple of years because you had Damian Harris and Josh Jacobs in front of him in 2018. And then Najee finally exploded his senior year. Um, my number three quarterback, Lester, can you guess? What's my kid's name? <laughs> <laughs> I told Paige, I said, look, if I have a daughter, she can be what I, whatever her name is. I don't care, but I want her middle name to be James because that's like we both have um, parents or grandparents with the name James in our family, so that worked out perfectly. But I said the first name has to start with an A, so I can call her AJ. And it's for AJ McCarron because just like Dudley, AJ was my dude. Like whenever we got to school, Lester, AJ was our guy. Um, you know, 2011 and 12 and 13 and the beginning of our college careers, AJ was our quarterback. And then, you know, Blake Sims and Jake Coker came in to finish our career. Of course, Lester had about nine quarterbacks throughout his college career. Uh, it seems like Lester started in the John Parker Wilson era and just ended like with Bryce Young. But uh, AJ was my guy and I loved AJ, the swagger he had. Lester, remember where he would just post up in that white Escalade in the corner of Publix and just watch the strip? It wasn't even a parking lot. He it wasn't even a parking spot. He just like bumped up on the hill over yeah, there. Yeah, he just like made it his own. It was AJ's spot. And it was like, 
yeah, that's the most cockiest shit I've ever seen, but like, damn, that's badass. I mean, you're the quarterback at one of the most prestigious universities in the country, and you just posted up, letting everybody know you're there, just people watching whenever he was bored. He did that all the time. But uh, AJ, you know, his junior year, 30 touchdowns, three picks, um, back to back national champion winner. Um, he was the MVP in 2011. No. 2012 oh gosh now I can't remember one one of the national championships he, he he was the MVP in and um you know just great competitor he had a lot of fire what I love about AJ what sold him on me is that he loved the university you know you see the game winning drive against LSU when he's just bawling his eyes out after the TJ Elton screen pass it meant so much to him to play for this university and you don't see that anymore you know like with these kids they're money chasing with the NIL um but he was a through and through, die-hard Bammer, you know, bled crimson and white, and then came and started for Alabama for three years. You hate his career ending on the kick six, because if you think he gets a shot at Florida State, he more than likely beats Jameis Winston um, out there in California. But it is what it is. Lester, who is number two quarterback on your list? Let's see. Number two is that guy, A.J. McCarron, like you said. Really? I didn't figure he'd be anybody's number two. But go off. Yeah, that guy did not want to lose. It meant so much to him to put on the Alabama uniform. You know, the ultimate champion here. Yeah, AJ's my number two. No doubt. Dunley, he got his number two. You're muted. Dudley's first time, guys. Give him a break. Hey, come on now. (laughs) Oh, all right. So this was a tough one, too, but I got old Bryce sitting there at number two. Okay. Mainly because, I mean, first Heisman winner, um, did it with basically, you know, one weapon rather than, you know, our past previous three quarterbacks have had four at all times. Um, But, I mean, dude, like the Auburn game, um, I mean, talk about, you know, being a freshman, being in, you know, a hostile environment this past year. I mean, dude came through, like, you know, not even thinking about the Heisman, just like performance-wise. I don't know, like, all of his stats and all that stuff. Uh, excuse my dogs. But, um, you know, he was just legit to me. Good pick, man. You, you know, I figured Bryce would be number one, number two in, in all of our lists. Um, I, I, with A.J. being two and Lester's, I'm not sure who number one is. We'll find out in a second. My number two is going to be Mac Jones. And, you know, I'm sure he might be number one on one of y'all as I expect him to be, and that's fine with me. You're going to get no arguments here because this dude came in as a low four-star um, from the Bulls high school or whatever and then sat behind Jalen, sat behind Tua, and just waited and waited and waited and just continuously lit the lit the defense up as a scout team quarterback. He heard stories from his freshman year. Um and then his senior year, he, he came into the perfect situation, or his redshirt junior year, excuse me, his fourth year, uh, came into the perfect situation. He had a lot of weapons, a good running back, probably one of the top three offensive lines Alabama's ever had. And, um, but, you know, he, he did, he, so he had, a, he had probably more talent around him, including running back, than maybe any other quarterback at Alabama um you can you can argue to it with all the receivers and stuff but then you know he loses Jalen Waddle you know and and so that really you know helps the defense out when you can really limit it to to Devonta and Mechie not saying it's easy and Sark you know helped him out had great game plans and he did have all day to throw but at the same time 
he was another guy just like Tua that like by the end of the year, it's like if he threw the ball behind somebody or maybe a little bit out in front of somebody, you were like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you incomplete and passes here? You know, you almost expected the guy to be perfect every single time he stepped on the field and he damn near was. Uh, Matt, Mac, you know, another guy, just a great competitor. You know, he's, he's loose. He played, he was cocky. He's funny. And uh, just a great ambassador for the, for the university um, while he was there. And, you know, since he's gone on, um, and now he's, you know, starting as a rookie for the New England Patriots last year. That's pretty impressive as well. It just shows you the kind of quarterback he is. Um, so, yeah, quarterbacks moving to number one. Lester, who you got number one? My number one guy is Mr. Bryce Young. Um, despite all the stats and the things that he put up, what was one of our main gripes last year? It's the offensive, offensive line. line. Yeah. Lack of time that this guy had. This guy was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback with possibly the worst office, offensive line we've seen in the Saban era. Um, despite the weapons, yada, 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 it doesn't matter. If your offensive line can't give you time for those guys to get open, that makes your job that much harder. And that guy still went out, dominated, um, Dominated in a in a comeback to Auburn, um, led his team to a you know a national championship berth. They didn't win it, but despite all of that, that guy put the team on his back and went out and did it and led himself to the Heisman Trophy. So for that, um, yeah, Bryce Bryce is my number one. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and add on to that because Bryce is my number one as well. Uh, and the the reason he nudged out Mac it's because exactly what you just talked about. He you know. We have a, a swinging gate at right tackle, uh, whether it's Kendall Randolph, Damian George, J.C. Latham. Nobody could figure it out over there. Uh, your center, the communication was terrible. You have to make a, a change at halftime at center, and you got to go with Seth McLaughlin, who is rated like 500 coming out of high school. Um, nobody ever expected him to play. And, uh, you know, going into the Georgia game, he you know, he loses Mechie at the end of the first half. He loses JMO in the first half of the national championship game. And, uh, yeah, what he was able to do just with his feet moving around the pocket, not looking to run first, but just moving around the pocket, the I, I guess you could say street ball type stuff he did, you know, throwing off balance, throwing off his back foot, throwing on the run, throwing with his feet not set, and then throwing from the pocket. He can do it all. He can make every single throw on the field. And for a guy that's 5'10", 5'11", you know, a buck 80, maybe, um, you know, the arm strength that he has is, is amazing. And, uh, yeah, love Bryce Young. So thankful we have him for another year. But, you know, got to protect him. And you got our freaking left guard in rehab that nobody knew about. He's gone crazy. Like, that's a little worrisome. Um, still haven't figured out the center spot. Offensive line looked terrible in the 8 day game. So, got a long way to go there. Hopefully, fall camp will clear some of that up for us. But, uh, Dudley, you had uh, Bryce as your number two. Is that right? Who was your number one? So, I've got A.J. McCarron sitting at number one. No way. Yeah, man. I didn't know A.J. got this much love. I mean, he does for Dude, me because – You talked all, the, talked all the young guns. Every single one of us think A.J.'s the guy. Um, yeah, and it. I think it's because – all right, so this was, my, this was my explanation. Like, growing up, you know, I was like – I can't really remember what grade I was in, but, you know, I was, like, still in high school or junior high or whatever – and, like, Greg, you know, we won that natty with Greg. And, like, it was, like, 
finally, like after just so many shitty years of being a Bama or, you know, whatever, being a Bama fan, disappointing years, like we hit that peak. And like, dude, to me, like there wasn't really anything higher. Like it was like, all right, like we won. Hell yeah. And then like, dude, AJ came along and just like took it to like a whole nother level. And like for us, I don't know, like we all kind of agree on that or whatever, but it was like, you know, um, you know, like we didn't realize that like it was fixing to get like that. And then, you know, AJ kind of like just set the tone for like what was followed, you know, by the years past, in my opinion. Dude, all right. So, so tell me this, because we talk about this all the time, whether it's on the podcast or just in our group text. If you, if you give AJ the 2018 weapons and like tight play calling, because I mean, this, it's got the 30 touchdowns and three picks. Now I know they weren't a, a spread team. And so there are a lot, you know, you had to, respect the run first because you had Trent Richardson, TJ and Eddie Lacy in the backfield. And it was an ace formation, you know, under center. Um, but still, man, if you could see him in a spread offense, not necessarily air raid, just like, you know, kind of what Alabama runs now, what's his touchdown to interception ratio? What do you think he could get to? Dude, I have no idea, but it would be high. I mean, as far as like, I, he was legit, man. Like, uh, AJ was – I mean, like I said, he just – it took everything to a next level. But, I mean, as far as touchdowns, I mean, I don't really know what a reachable number is, but I would say, like, easily, you know, 40 or 50. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking anywhere from 45 to 50 because, I mean, this guy was still throwing a freaking Marquise Mays, Darius Hanks, Kevin Norwood. I mean, good receivers, but they wouldn't play on our team now, you know, or probably the last five years. Oh, and no. So, yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's amazing what he was able to do um, with – I don't want – you don't want to say the little talent he had around him because I think, he, you know, he always had the great offensive lines and the great running backs. But, you know, running backs didn't catch the ball a lot. Um, yeah. You know, but, yeah, just the receivers weren't up to well, the Alabama standard that they are today. Well, dude, that's the same. It's for every position, though. Like, each position has evolved. Like, think about the, you know, wide receiver – um, standard now or the quarterback standard now, you know, or the running back standard, like it's everything's increased. So, yeah, I mean, if you put A.J. McCarron with those guys, it's it's just unreal. What a stud. I'm going to have to let A.J. listen to this so she can – if she, like, knows, you know, where her name came from, but she doesn't, like – I mean, we watch, like, A.J. highlights and stuff, of course, but, hey, oh, yeah. she'll figure it out. Um, moving over to running backs, Lester um, – Let's do top three running backs. We'll do top four receivers because there's been, you know, you can start three, you can play three or four of those at one time, but just quarterbacks and running backs, there's only one on the field at any one time. So we're going to go top three running backs. Who's your number three? All right. Number three, I'm going to go with Ken Drake. Why? Oh, I got to hear this. I mean, this is my first woe of, of the night. Because well, hey, that's low for me too. Yeah, now, my list has some dudes on it. I mean, I have a list of five or six, right. but um, three. I just think that when healthy, the versatility from receiving out of the backfield, the speed, the game breaking plays. Um, I don't think we never really saw his true potential here at Alabama. Uh, we got glimpses of it. Uh, for instance, um, what the opening play against Florida? That what? How was? I thought, was that eighty yard touchdown? Yeah, that was, was a, a twenty fourteen. Um, and then you know he snaps his leg against Ole Miss, but you know you get the kickoff return for a touchdown in the Natty. 
Like he did so much. Um, never quite really fully saw him completely healthy, especially when he had his head up his ass and was in the doghouse for so much. But um, like I said, he he's just one of my favorites. I, I have a soft spot for King and Drake, so he's number three on my list. You know what's weird about KD is that now that I really think about it, I'm trying to remember him playing, and it's like he was a running back, don't get me wrong, but Alabama used him in so many different ways, and he was in Kiffin's offense. And so, you know, Kiffin could get a, a one-on-one matchup anytime he wants to, it seems like, and KD was his guy. And then, you know, returning kicks, a big kick return against Clemson, of course, everybody – remembers that one that's always going to be the one that stands out but Lester do you remember like seeing him just line up in the backfield or running back and just take a handoff too many times mm, well it was yeah, rare because he would drive all the way down the field and TJ <laughs> coming on the five and still his touchdown yeah. <laughs> that's probably one reason why yeah, and I remember, I think it was 2015, remember he scored on a long play against Wisconsin. I think it was like a 50-yard runner catch. I can't remember which one it was. But uh, that was like his only touchdown of the year until the Clemson game when he returned the kickoff. Because, yeah, I think what you said happened. Like he would he would lead a couple of drives and they, we'd get down inside the two or the one. And, and who would that – would that be – TJ wasn't there in 2014. Or 2015, mm-hmm. that would be Damian Harris. Damian Harris. Okay, I think he got screwed probably two years going on because we used to talk about it a lot. Wait, shit, no. 2015 is Derrick Henry, dude. Shit, my bad. That guy. That guy, yeah. yeah that guy. I bet he's on your list. Um, yeah. <laughs> my, dude, my number three, um, interested to see if he's on your guys' list or not because – once again, you're really not going to get too much argument from me on your list unless you say Kenyon Drake. <laughs> My number three, I'm going with Trent Richardson. And a lot of people, the first thing they think of when they hear T-Rich is NFL bust. Well, this is a college list in the Saban era. Trent Richardson was so freaking dominant in college. And I think a lot of people forget that because, you know, he did play 11, 12 years ago. And – um this guy was, I think, like 1,700 yards his junior season in 2011, uh, 21 touchdowns, caught three more touchdowns. This guy was beast mode in college, and, and everybody remembers the old Miss play, but uh, definitely beast mode for me. I love Trent Richardson, and he was, you know, another guy that I was in school with, so I'm a little biased. You know, my early college years, it was T. Rich, you know, 2010, um, was Mark's final year. He kind of had his knee banged up a little bit. Um, so T. Rich got a lot of touches uh, his sophomore year in, in place of of Mark Ingram when he was injured. And then, you know, 2011, the national championship of the year, you know, with the game of the century, then coming back and beating LSU with him springing the ball to the outside, scoring the only touchdown in eight quarters between in the matchups between the two teams. Um, I just – I always have a soft spot for T. Rich, and I guess it is because he did bust in the NFL – he got in, you know, everybody was holding their hand out, his family and all his all his his entourage and everything took all his money. So I guess I'm gonna have a soft soft spot for him because of that also. But man, college T Rich was a freaking animal. Dudley, he got number three. I agree. Uh Trent Richardson was a big it was a tough one for me. It was between it's not easy. It was between Trent and Najee. And I went Najee. Okay. And the reason I went Najee, I don't know. Najee was kind of like another one of those guys in my area. Or I'm sorry, in my era that uh, 
like we had those high expectations for it. He kind of, he was kind of like the same thing, kind of like hit those for it or, you know, but I mean, he was a part of the, you know, Mac Jones year. So it was, you know, unreal. Um, but uh, I mean, anyways, it was kind of, you know, uh, I don't know his stats and all that stuff, but I mean, he was just a stud. Yeah, 2011 was definitely his year, I think, because I looked it up earlier when I was trying to make this list. I can't remember exactly, but I think it was like just under 1700. 2011. Are you talking about you talking about Najee? Yeah. Oh, my bad. I thought you were talking about Trent. So is your number three Trent or Najee? Najee. Najee. Okay. Did I say Trent? Yeah. My bad, dude. No, it's Najee. Is Trent your two? No. Okay. So I was saying it was between. Okay, those- I got you. Yeah, Najee. Yeah, he's actually he's actually my number two, but uh, I'll talk about him in a second. Listen, let me get your number two first. Who you got in that in that two slot? Najee Harris. There we go. There it is. Me and you. I mean, this guy, another guy, Lester, that came in five star, number one running back in the country from Cali. Uh, could have easily transferred because you know that 2017 Natty that we talked about. He showed out in the fourth quarter. You know, catching the ball, running the ball, breaking tackles. Um, you know, making big plays, picking up key blitzes, you know, stuff that nobody really watches for, um, bought out in that natty and then didn't play a lot his sophomore year and he could have easily left. And you see that a lot nowadays, uh, with these big time recruits that they don't play immediately. They like to go somewhere else. Facts, but you know, you gotta love that guy stayed in with all the dedication and just he was just dynamic, hurdling people. Um, couldn't have had a better, you know, from what I can tell, personality. You've never heard a bad thing about the guy. So yeah, I love some dodging, I love watching some ball out. 3,843 yards, career rushing. He is number one on the all-time rushing list for University of Alabama. But like you said, that dynamic, and it really took Sark to exploit it um, because, you know, he's talking about he was a ride out and everything. He heard all that. Um, but, yeah, Najee, dude, you know, he had 780 career receiving yards and 11 touchdowns. This guy, this guy scored 57 touchdowns in his career at Alabama. That's pretty impressive. Um, you know, sophomore, junior year. And another thing uh, – Dudley, since, you know, you were just talking about Najee, him staying his senior year was just huge. And it's not just him. You know, it was Leatherwood coming back and Devonta Smith and a couple of key guys on defense. But him coming back his senior year, how rare is that to see from a former, not just a five-star player, but like the number one running back coming out of high school? No, Dudley's Dudley's still on mute. (laughs) Damn, dude. I mean, or I'm in another browser or whatever, paying attention. But oh, okay. Yeah. Uh. So I keep trying to like minimize out of it, and it like hits like the next browser and the next browser. And I'm like, shoot. But uh. Anyways, I mean, yeah. Were you asking me who's my number two though? Yeah, we can go ahead and do that because we just like you had Najee at three. Me and Lester both had him as two. So we'll move on to your number two. Who you got? All right. First off, I just got to say, Lester, it is wild that you don't have either, you know, Mark Ingram or Derrick Henry in your top two, or at least somewhere in this list. You don't have one or the other not in it. We haven't gotten to number one yet. Well, I'm saying, but he's already said uh, Kenyon Drake and Najee. So, he's got – he left them off his top threes. I just find that wild. Yeah. So, you got Derrick as your number two? So, I got Mark Ingram as my uh, number two. 
what's your reasoning for that? You know, we know about the Heisman Trophy, but what other, you know, is there something else that you that you so here's my thing about Mark is he had to get it out of the mud, dude. So we didn't have this spread offense, you know, back then where you know these running backs could kind of you know turn into basically like receivers as well. Like he just said, straight up, get it out the mud, and uh, that was when we were ground and pound. And yeah, I mean, we had a couple weapons on the outside, but you know, we were smashing that thing. And a great and so- story, you know, with his dad being in jail, and then him being—he wasn't a highly recruited guy, you know, uh, from up in Michigan. And Nick Saban goes and gets him um, because of the relationship with his dad, and and uh, and and another guy that just does so much for our program uh, t- today. Like you know, even though he he graduated. 12 years ago, um, it doesn't seem like that long, but goodness, it's been 12 years since Mark Ingram played football at the University of Alabama, and he's still just – the way he talks about Coach Saban and the just University of Alabama as a football program is just amazing, continues to to be a great ambassador for the university. Um, so we've all got our, our twos down. Lester, let's go with number one, man. He got – is this unanimous? Number one, Il Tractorcito, Derek Henry. Okay. What the hell? What would you say? Il Tractorcito. That's what they call him. That's his NFL name or whatever they try to give him. I didn't even know that. Yeah. My bad. Uh, (laughs) Dudley, Dudley, you got Derek Henry too? Yes, sir. All right. Let's talk about Derek Henry then. Um, This dude, SEC single season Russian leader. Um. You know, it, it's one of those like we I was talking about earlier about that 2014 Ohio State game, how mm-hmm. Kiffin got a little pass happy uh, in the second half of that game, and then he learned his lesson in 2015 because he gave it to that big mofo over and over and over. Dudley, just what do you have a favorite play with Derrick Henry over his career, or is it just any of those long touchdown runs, or is there something certain that sticks out to you? when you hear about Derrick Henry playing at the University of Alabama? Uh, am I – okay, yeah, so I'm not muted. Um, so I'm trying to remember, like, a specific play in my head. And honestly, there was quite a few of them where, like, I'm, I can't really remember which one it was. But, I mean, dude, Derrick Henry was just a beast. Like, he was kind of like – I mean, literally like a transformer sitting out on the field. And, uh, I mean – just a freak. But I mean, while he was there, like, I mean, it was pretty much just straight domination. Um, obviously won the Heisman, uh, you know, set a bunch of records. I don't necessarily know one like to be specific, but I mean, the dude was just unreal. I mean, it takes, I mean, like it's, every, it's on all of our number ones. Like you can be, you know, the casual Bama fan like I am and know it, or you can be like the, you know, very, you know, diehards, you know, or what I'm a diehard, but you know, like people that are super, super into it and everybody agrees. Like he's just number one. Lester, do you have a certain Derrick Henry play that, that sticks out or, you know, cause for me, I, I think it's, I think it's all of his long touchdown runs because the guy is so big. Yeah. And it, it just, he runs away from folks, which is just amazing to me. You know, that's what I was going to say. Like, yeah. Dude, literally, I mean, he had probably, I don't know, at least 10 or so. 30 plus yard touchdown runs and then you know at least you know two maybe three more 50 plus maybe even more than that yard I mean like there's so many plays you can't really just narrow one down on Derrick Henry I like the one against um it's not really like the most impressive run 
but you see the freeze frame, like the pitcher against what was a Michigan State in that first playoff game, he stiff arms the guy into a front flip. That's a defensive lineman. A oh, de- yeah, that's a good one. Simply <laughs> made him do a front flip off of his stiff arm and goes in to score a touchdown. That just sticks to my mind because, you know, a guy that big, he was never called from behind. But that picture just shows you how strong that dude is. I mean, being able to do what he does and still doing it in the NFL today, it was it was awesome to see for such a long time. All right, Lester. Uh, moving over to receivers to stay with you. We'll keep going in this rotation. Um, do you want to do top three or four? How many did you write down for receivers? Uh, I have my four. You have four? All right, let's do your number four then. Who you got? Number four. I'll go with Amari Cooper. That's surprising because I figure Coop would be top three, like at like we're number three, like at worst on all of our lists, like the lowest he would be. So I'm interested to see who your top three are now. I don't want them yet, but what about Coop? You don't want to say puts him so low because I mean hell he's top four. But what do you I mean, what did you like or dislike about Coop during his time? Um, I loved him. I mean, he was all business all the time. Um, dominated going back to that what that 99 yard touchdown and the iron bowl from AJ. Um, nothing that I don't like about him. I just got him as uh, number four on my list. I uh, uh, my four, I have I have a an and slash or kind of like Nick Saban does on his depth charts. I go Calvin slash Julio. And this is simply because it's not from a lack of talent um, because, gosh, both of them, you know, Julio was like the first guy that says, you know, I'm going to Alabama. I don't care that it's a run-first offense. I love Coach Saban. You know, you recruited me. You did your job. You taught me into it. I'm going to the University of Alabama. Um, He was the first big-time receiver that we had. I mean, DJ Hall was great, but he wasn't like five-star can't miss prospect and just a, a polarizing figure like Julio was a 6'4, 220 pounds coming out of Foley High School. But I think my, my issue with Calvin and Julio is nothing they did, it's simply because of the fact that their quarterbacks like hurt them. As far as this list goes for me, I mean, Julio playing with, uh, with you know, John Parker Wilson and Greg McElroy, um, to the quarterback, you know, probably the worst quarterbacks of the Saban era, you know, it's very arguable that they, that they're the worst quarterbacks of the Saban era. I mean, they weren't terrible. They weren't Spencer Pennington or Mark Gillian for Christ's sake, but yeah, um, you know, that hurt him. And then Calvin, you know, he got to play 2015 with Coker, um, but uh, you know, 2016 and 2017, he got Jalen who, yeah, Jalen was his, you know, he was Jalen's number one target, no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, Jalen also ran the ball a lot, and I think that hurt his numbers. I think Calvin could have had a lot better numbers if he was maybe born a couple of years later or a couple of years earlier or later and either played with uh, with A.J. or Blake Sims. I think he would have had better numbers. Um, but that's my that's my number four. It's kind of an and slash or, you know, throw either one, either of them in there. Uh, Dudley, who do you have as your number four receiver? You're muted. Or did he cut off? Ease, man. I'm going to get that right. There you go. You're good, man. Hey, Um, first time. Anyways, I got Jalen Waddle sitting at number four. And, uh, I mean, the reason I got Jalen Waddle on there is, I mean, 99% because we didn't really see what all that dude had left in the tank. 
Like, I mean, he was a freak. Uh, talk about speed, hands, route running. Like, he had it all. That's like I was sitting there, like, trying to rate, like, rate these receivers. And, like, you know, Jerry Judy, like, probably arguably, like, one of the best route runners ever to come through Alabama. Like, I mean, he just had an art with it. Um, Henry Ruggs, I said, like, I would say, like, probably had the best hands. Like, that's just my opinion. But then I was sitting there thinking about Waddle, and I was like, damn, dude, like, he could do all three – you know, he could do everything. Um, and, you know, we just didn't really get to see what he had left in the tank. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and you know, just the Auburn game is a good example. When we lost 48-45, the game that Mac had to start in place of an injured Tua um, in 2019, you know, I mean, what did he score? He caught two or three passes for touchdowns. He returned a kick. Uh, you know, the punt return against LSU when he got his face ripped off in, in 2019 and still returned it for a touchdown. And, um, you know, he did get hurt against Tennessee on a kickoff. But, I mean, it's just one of those things where some people are going to like, you know, one of your best athletes returning kicks. Um, some people aren't going to like it. Doesn't matter how electric yeah. they are. But he definitely made some big spe- special teams plays as well as big plays at receiver. And, yeah, it's just one of those that – I mean, what he play? Maybe – 20 games over three years? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, so, and you're doing pretty good in the NFL right now, too. Sure. I mean, and, uh, I mean, but, yeah, it's more of like a, you know, to me it was kind of like, man, I just really wish, you know, we could have had that full season out of him and, like, saw what was, you know, fixing to happen. No doubt about it. Um, Lester, who you got at number three? That guy, Jalen Waddle. Really? Okay. Anything different you want to add about him? Why is he? Why did he make your list at number three? Not really. Um, for him to as just the complete package that he has the, from the speed, the shiftiness, the route running, then the dedication to want to come back and play even hurt um, when he wasn't one hundred percent. That meant a lot. So I just, I just, I just really like the kid. Third on my list, I'm going Jerry Judy. You know, because of that route running that Dudley was just talking about, probably the best route runner him and him and coot um the best route runners that have ever come through the university and uh you know also a a lot of people don't realize this he was a freaking touchdown machine you know only played three years at alabama and he's third all time um and and receive and receiving touchdowns at the university so jerry judy uh you don't want to say a quiet career but he wasn't he didn't have a year like devonta where he was no doubt the guy. And that's because he played with Devonta and Ruggs and, and yeah. Waddle his whole career. I was and, just about uh, to say that, dude. I mean, he was surrounded yeah. by three, what, first-round draft picks? Yeah, so. and he still showed out. I mean, Devonta and Ruggs had their games, but the consistency, the most consistent guy on those squads was, was definitely Jerry Judy. And, you know, he could he could catch a slant. You know, he could he could run a bubble. He could And he could just run by you. And I just think that made him special. And I think he's going to have a pretty good NFL career as well. Dudley, you guys, number three. Well, first off, I got to say, I, dude, when I first made my list, like when you told me it's just going to be wide receiver, you know, top three, you know, whatever wide receivers, I was sitting at the lake and I just started thinking, I just put my list together real quick in my head at first. And I had Jerry Judy in it. And then, like, I don't know, I started thinking about it or whatever and like realized like how many damn good receivers we've had come through. And I was like, all right, I got to shift some things around. Um, but uh, I have Coop sitting at number three. And I mean, just, I mean, mainly like you guys were saying, like, I mean, he was just the guy at the time, um, you know, made a 
shit ton of good plays and probably, you know, didn't have the, you know, I don't know, I guess greatest wide receiver situation like they have now where they're just airing it out all the time. But anyways, I mean, I don't know. I just think he's pretty – you know, he was number three in my list. Yeah, I've got Kubis my number two. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about him because Lester's already put him at uh, at number four on his list. He's my number two. And, uh, you know, second career – second in touchdowns for his career – at the university, second yards as well in, in only three years. I mean, average over 15 yards a catch. He, he's a he's a dude that, you know, and, and he played with, with Blake Sims, who was still a running back playing quarterback. You know, we all love him. But, um, you know, he, he didn't play with a uh, – you know, he, he did play with A.J. in 2012 and 2013. Um, and that was still, you know, I guess – you don't want to say run first. It was about 50-50, though. It was a very balanced offense in 2012 and 2013. Definitely wasn't anything like 2014 when Kiffin came in. That was his first year. And we immediately went spread. The thing I love about Coop is that every time Blake Sims caught a snap and turned and threw a quick hitch, there was a possibility that number nine was going to take it, take it to the house. I mean, whether – you know, you were on your own 10-yard line or on the other team's 20. It didn't matter. It felt like you give that guy – you get a – if the other receiver gets a pad on a DB, this dude is gone. You know, I remember first play from Tennessee, we just ran a little slip motion pass to him right off the tight end's hip, and he just outran everybody in Knoxville. I was at that game in 2014. He just outran everybody to the end zone. The speed this dude has, and he was a lot like Devonta, who I'm sure is number one on everybody's list. We'll go over him in a little bit, but it's just – at top speed, it looked like he was just gliding across the field. And that's one thing I loved about Coop. Um, Lester, who was your number two? Julio Jones. Okay. Tell me why. Um, I Because I, I'm envisioning that guy in a modern-day offense, and I would just wonder oh, man. how great he would be and how much more impactful he would be. Man, how many times have we seen a screen or or a bubble where the wide receiver just doesn't get a hand on the guy? And instead of, you know, breaking for a touchdown down the sideline like it should, it's just maybe for a five or six-yard gain. You know, if Julio is that receiver, you can guarantee Julio's going to grab his guy, block him to the third row, and the <laughs> receiver who caught the bubble of the screen is going to score a touchdown. I guarantee it. So the impact that Julio would have on the modern-day game – outside of just running routes and catching the ball will be that much valuable on top of his, you know, receiving abilities, his running abilities already. So yeah, I, Hillio Jones and um, yeah, he's certainly number two in my book and kind of started the trend of getting these five-star guys, you know, one of, you know, those first couple saving guys. Dudley, you got Hillio as your two? Uh, negative. Negative. Okay. I got Julio didn't make your top four. Oh, good lord. Okay. I got Devontae Smith sitting at number two. Okay, I gotta ask who your one is. Well, that's you gotta wait now. We gotta go in line. Uh well, I you know, Lester is Devontae your one. Yeah, he's my one. He's my one too. So let's talk about Devontae real quick. Dudley, what was your favorite thing about Devontae? Doom. Tiny ass guy. Sorry, I'm eating too, but Tiny ass little dude that like he caught that number one, he caught that uh two a pass in the Georgia game. No doubt. Um, and so like that was like De Devontae Smith like hit the same 
But then it's like, damn, he just blew up. But, I mean, dude, I do not have a favorite play with Devontae Smith, but, I mean, my like I can literally tell you, you know, countless times, you know, how many just like uh, let's just say 60-yard dimes I saw from, or, you know, him pull in. And so, I mean, he was just a stud. Um, he won the Heisman, obviously. And uh, I don't know, he just kind of like blew everybody's expectations, you know? Yeah, you got to love uh, another, you know, or, or a, a Louisiana boy, Amite Louisiana being on this list. Uh, just the players that we pulled out of that state uh, with LSU sitting right there is just truly remarkable. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely my number one uh, dude. I mean, just like, like I just said, a guy that never got caught, and it just looked like he's jogging away from people. And uh, whatever, you know, whenever you're in trouble, throw it up to him. You know, his elevation was amazing. Probably dunk on a 13-foot goal. Uh, Lester, you know, talk about Devonta, what you loved about him the most to put him at number one on your list. The Slim Reaper. The guy was so elusive. Um, for such a small frame, you never really saw him take a hard hit. Um, and despite his small frame, that guy was durable. Did he ever miss any time? Um, Until the natty when he broke his thumb. Right. He was always there, always durable, always there for someone to count on. And from everything I've seen, just as humble of a guy as you can find. So, yeah, yeah I love watching um, Smitty, you know, run routes and, and do his thing on the ball field. Dudley, you got – all right. It's up to Dudley. All right, Dudley. We got Devonta Smith at one. Who is your number one? All right. So, I got number eight sitting at number one. Really? Yes, sir. Dude, Julio Julio set the tone for wide receivers at Alabama. He did. Like, like the five stars, I don't know. Like, him going to the pros, and I'll say, like, he's managed to, like, just stay relevant, like, his whole pro career. Like, yeah, he's had, you know – two or three, like, pretty, you know, really good years. But other than that, but, I mean, like, I mean, he just set the tone, dude. Like, and you were talking about earlier, Greg McElroy was his quarterback. And so, I mean, you just think about, like, if he would have had maybe A.J. McCarron or maybe, you know, uh, Tua, Bryce Young, you know, one of these guys, Jake Coker. Uh, you just think about, like, what may have been – like, what else we would have seen from him and, like, what we were able to see from him. But I do have a favorite play – for Julio Jones, and it was that LSU screen pass. I don't even remember how many yards, but, you know, he took it to the house. And uh, I don't know, man, that's like – that was the prime of being a Bama fan. Like, I don't know, all the young guns think that too, by the way, but, like, Julio was just that guy. Man, yeah, that's when uh, him and Patrick Peterson were going at it, and Peterson was a little banged up that game. And as soon – I can't remember who was our coordinator, if it was Jim McElwain or who it was – uh, I can't, I cannot remember who the hell it was, but anyway, as soon as he came out of the game, he got Julio lined up on a safety and immediately threw a little backdoor screen to him. And yeah, he, he just saw a little sliver and then just outran everybody. I love the Georgia State play, it's a crappy opponent when he laid out from AJ and caught the ball one handed. Um, in 2010, I guess, uh, yeah, 2010. Um, and, uh, and, you know, A.J. was in the backup role, but he still threw the ball to him. But, yeah, Julio – you know, and, and another thing, Dudley, his injuries, man. I mean, this dude was constantly 
having to catch the ball over his head. He had shoulder problems, rib problems. I mean, if this dude's not injured, then and, – and, you know, he is in a different offense. I think he's easily number one. Hey, well, I'll tell you one more funny thing about – or a cool thing about Julio is he had that damn blue Tahoe, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, the Escalade. Dude, well, everybody used to eat that shit up. We thought that was, like, the coolest shit ever. <laughs> was it blue or purple, Lester? I can't remember. For some reason, I thought he had a purple one at one time, a purple Escalade. See, I thought it was blue and it had, like, big chrome rims on it. <laughs> but – Dude, we thought that shit was so badass. And uh, anyways, I don't know. Julio is just – I mean, he's the man. I always love Julio. All right, moving over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, Lester, let's go top three, Saban era. We'll go linebackers and then DBs, and we'll be done with our list. Um, who's your who's your number three linebacker that you have in the Nick Saban era? C.J. Mosley. Okay. I think – that um yeah cj mosley um cj would would did really really well he was freaking great how he was agile mobile and could play the the pass just as well as he could play the run yeah he was so, like our first true spread inside linebacker now you had rollo and devonta Yes, or not Devonta Danta. um and you know you had some beef in the middle and then like he is our first like, I guess you could say skinny linebacker. You yeah. know, play linebacker 225 pounds. Yes, yes. And despite that, he was still a monster in the middle. You know, I can't remember who he met in the hole and smacked the hell out of him. Was it Fournette? No. Um, I can't remember. But, yeah, CJ, CJ definitely my number three. He could play – I feel like he could play and pretty much dominate today's game for sure. Yeah, but like you said, his run stopping ability was was also very good. I think he could have played back in the early two thousands as well. He wasn't a big dude, but uh, he had great instincts uh, and great ball skills playing that middle linebacker slot. Um, my number three is a guy that came right after CJ Lester. Do you remember who that was? The bust. Um, can you believe he's on my list after all the hell I gave him? Is it Reggie Ragland? No, Reggie, Ra- Reggie Ragland. Well, look at that. Look at there. Yeah, 2015, 2016 inside linebacker. I guess 2014, too, because he got uh, he got busted up against Ohio State and then came back for his senior year. So, I guess he'd have been 2014, 2015. I'm trying to think that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, dude, Reggie, Reggie's a freak, and he was another one that bought his time. See, I have a soft spot for guys like that. Uh, I guess now since it's a transfer era, you didn't see it happening a ton back then. Um, but, you know, the, the guys that were highly recruited that bought their time and didn't play until their junior, senior year, I have a lot more respect for because it's so easy to go somewhere else. Um, cause you know, I mean, all the, all the lights are on you, all the eyes are on you. Whenever you're in high school, you're a big dog on campus. Then all of a sudden you're not heard of, for, you know, you're not heard from for a couple of years. And I think I, I labeled Reggie a bust. I, I did. We were talking about that. I was upset that he was not on the field and, uh, and then sure enough, you know, he, he proves me wrong. And now he's number three on my list of, uh, Nick Saban air linebackers. Dudley, who do you have at number three? So, I've got – make sure – okay, yeah. I've got C.J. Mosley sitting there, too. Um, 
I think I mean I kind of agree with what Lester says. Like he kind of changed the position a little bit and got it like a little bit more athletic. Was used him kind of in more of like you know different unique positions. Um, moved him around the field a little, but I mean yeah he was a I don't know I guess like you know a lot of our linebackers are like considered headhunters, but you know he was kind of I don't know just more of a all around guy. But I mean he'd hit your ass too. But, yeah, he's uh, he's my number two. It's hard to call him finesse, you know what I'm saying? Because he could, yeah. he could play the run so well. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. But, yeah, I mean, that's my number three, so. Yeah, he, he he's my number two, so I'll just add one more thing to him. It's like, you know, those early 2010s, I think Nick Staben really – and I, th- I really contribute this to Gus Malzahn, you know, bringing the spread into the SEC. Because um, Florida, Florida had it in, in, you know, 07, 08, 09 with Tebow. <laughs> And then, you know, Auburn, you know, Gus came in with that gimmick offense that he had that took teams a, a, a few years to figure out. And uh, and I think Saban realized that he needed some more speed at linebacker, and that was his first true spread-stopping linebacker. And, boy, did he, did he do it well. Um, you know, the, the pick six against Denard Robinson in 2013 against Michigan and Dallas, that's a play that sticks out. Um, you know, the interception, um, hang on. I can't remember the damn game now. I'm sorry. When he rolled his knee up, I'm sorry. I'm, I blanked out on that game, that situation. I'll, I'll think of it immediately as this podcast is over. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, CJ, plus, you know, me and Lester got to hang out with him at a party in Tuscaloosa. Lester, you remember that? I do. And uh, he also his haircut at the same spot I got mine cut at. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have that privilege. Yeah, you're white. That's right. Yeah, I'm not allowed in there. Maybe with my long hair now, they'll go braid it for me. But, uh, yeah, we got on the elevator, and we are just like, what's up, CJ? And he was all – I think he was messed up. But, anyway, it was the off season. Uh, but, uh, yeah, CJ's my number two. So, Lester, who's, who's number two on your list? My number two on my list is Rolando McClain. Okay. Um, from a, um, a leadership perspective and how dominant he was, once again, one of those guys, um, those early saving years, who just kind of set the tone and – it's funny hearing your dad talk about when he would call a meeting and nobody would miss it because they were scared of the hell out of him <laughs> because he was just that imposing figure. Big dude um, could run, stop the run. I don't know how well he would play in today's game. He probably wouldn't play a whole lot in the middle, but um, Shit. Uh, he could move, man. He could, he, he could play. Dude was a monster. So, yeah, uh, Rolando Rolo is definitely – he's number two on my list. Dudley Hitty have it too. Um, so I've got Dante Hightower sitting okay. there. Brentwood, Tennessee. Straight up headhunter. He was kind of like, I don't know, he was kind of that in-between two. Like, you know, Hightower was fucking smart. And, like, he kind of, you know, ran the defense. And uh, I don't know, man. I mean, you just – I mean, he – just the damn headhunter, you know, always in the hole, stopping the run, you know, just a stud. Yeah, it wasn't great against the pass, but uh, you know he's two hundred and sixty pounds. I don't think he was brought. I didn't think he was brought in to to play against the pass and play too much pass coverage. But you know, not bad ball skills. Picked off Matt Stafford in uh, two thousand eight in the uh, in the blackout game um, off the tip ball interception, and then you know made just play after play after play in the twenty eleven national championship game. As soon as Jordan Jefferson, as soon as LSU crosses the fifty yard line. Dante Hightower, you know, 
respectfully places his ass back on the other side of the 50 yard line with a strip sack fumble and uh and Nick Gentry covers it and so that's one play that sticks out with Dante but yeah he, he didn't make my list um I've already done my top t- and you know my number one is going to be um Rolando uh I, I know I'm ahead of y'all but uh that's just because I had CJ number two but yeah Lester well hang on one second Dudley is your number one um uh, Rolando it is all right, so yeah, we, we can talk about Rolo for a second. Yeah, like Les was saying, the the from a from a leadership aspect, man, just the whole team fearing you as a sophomore and a junior. I mean, this guy was a day one starter, you know, for a Nick Saban defense a, a, as a true freshman. That's rare, uh, especially in that middle linebacker spot. I know in twenty eighteen we were forced to do that, or twenty nineteen we were forced to do that with Shane Lee and Christian Harris. Um, but this guy actually won the job. Like he was, he was legit the one of the best players on that defense in 2009, and uh, just completely erupted. And um, or 2008, I'm sorry. And uh, and you don't a lot of people don't remember him because he was on the on the second year team that Nick Saban had at Alabama. But man, what a beast! And uh, oh, no doubt, I think he could definitely play in this Dude. day and age. So he's kind of like my same thing as Julio. He kind of set the tone for what, you know, middle linebacker was going to be at Alabama. You know what I mean? Like of what followed after that. Yeah, and not just that. Just set the tone for what, I mean, what Nick Saban expects from you at Alabama. You know, you come in, you compete, you lead, and just a dog. Like probably, I mean, can we agree that he's probably the biggest dog that Nick Saban's had at Alabama? Oh, I mean – you said dog? Yeah, like D-O-G. Uh, I got to say, Reuben Foster is the biggest dog we've had back well, there. Well, yeah, I mean, as, as, far as, his right play, as far as his play goes, but I'm talking about just an overround, like, like Lester's talking about, you know, when he tells everybody that they're giving them the option, they can save money if they drive out to California for the national championship game in 2009, and Orlando stood up and said, no, we're flying as a team. He, that wasn't a vote. That He made that decision for the team. Just little stuff like that. Yeah, I'm just talking about just an all-around DAW. Wait, what are you talking about? What story are you talking about? Well, in, in 2009, uh, Nick Saban was going to give – like they if they all drove themselves out to California, to Pasadena for the Natty, Natty game against Texas, they could have saved like so much money per person or whatever and maybe could have gotten some extra gear or whatever it was, or they had the option of flying as a team, right? And uh, – they were going to do a vote or whatever, like a team vote. And Rolando stood up and said, no, we're, we're flying as a team. We're going out there as a team. We're coming back as a team. And it was non-negotiable. I mean, that you know, he, he was the leadership group. And Nick Saban talks about, like, he was it. Wasn't nobody else. Wait, so up. you're telling me Saban was just going to let everybody just, like, ride out? Isn't that crazy? That, yeah. I thought the same thing. Yeah, look at that story. No way. That's nuts. Like, how do you know this story? Oh, it's all over the message boards. Yeah, oh, with all God. those. Yeah, and uh, I've never man, heard I'll, that. Yeah, and uh, I mean they're talking about like during the fourth quarter program, like he's just running around yelling at everybody. You know, if not everybody sprinted, like he was the one that would make him do another rep, not the coaches, not Cochran. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just I mean, just Holy an absolute shit. dog. Yeah, he's definitely my number one. Guys, I'm sorry, I don't forgot where we're at on the list. Like. Lester's get, up next with his number one. All right, Lester, who you got? Reuben Foster. <laughs> you know this. 
The, 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 the talking about the former Auburn tattoo. Guy? Damn, I was muted, but hell yeah, Lester. Heard <laughs> the Auburn fan base got the Auburn tattoo and everything. Uh, just a straight up dog and the leader of my favorite defense, the 2016 defense at Alabama. Um, just a freaking badass all around. Took him a while to finally get on the field because he kept hurting himself because he knocked the hell out of other people and himself in the process. But, man, just a straight-up dog, someone who's fun to watch, um, was always kind of funny, kind of goofy, kind of an, an infectious You mean stupid? <laughs> yeah, or that, too. Um, but, yeah, man, I'll never forget. Um, I was in Baton Rouge when he knocked the hell out of Leonard Fournette um, on that kickoff, and that, that was just awesome. So, yeah, Ruben, I, I, I love that guy. He's my number one. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, it's a solid list all the way around. Yeah, Ruben. Yeah, I just I love what happened with this Auburn. There's a a rumor, Dudley. I don't know if you know this, but there was a rumor uh, that whenever Ruben came from changed high schools from whatever high school he was in Georgia to Auburn High School, um, that his mom like took a job as a janitor or something like that, making like a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, air quotes. You know, if if you know what I'm, if you can read between the lines there. I don't think I and, heard uh, this story. And then you know he got the Auburn tattoo on it, and then you know he committed to Alabama, and uh, and then yeah, didn't play for a while, kept hurting himself. You know he almost had to quit right from all the neck injuries, and then he finally figured it out. Oh, Boy, yeah. yeah, that 2016 season was something special. Um, a best neck roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't have a choice, but uh, last last uh, position group we're gonna do. Let's go on to DBs. Give me your number three defensive back in the Nick Saban era. God, this is tough. It was tough. I agree. Jeez. Number three. I, I'm going to go with Marlon. Hmm. Marlon, number okay. three. Respect it. Tell me why. I like that pick. I like the guy just from his – from from his um the pedigree, you know, with his dad and everything. And he was just he was just that dude. He was a dog. Um wasn't he the one that caught the onside kick against Clemson? He was. Yep. You know, so I just like the guy. I like the way he plays. Another one of those goofy kids. Um seemed like a pretty good dude. Um so yeah, I like Marlon and it's fun keeping up with him in the pros today. Remember, uh I remember Marlon. Was he the one that was like he was flirting with like going to the Olympics and like not even yeah. going to college and running track? As a tra- track runner, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, yeah, and I was like, dude, come on, your dad's a legacy. You got to go to Bowen, but yeah, top fifteen player overall, I believe, um, out of Hoover High School. Uh, my number three, and you know he didn't fill up the stat sheet, and it's simply because people were scared to death to throw on him, and whoever was the corner on the other side was a better option to throw one than this guy, and that's Drake or Patrick. Love him. Uh, dude, Dre came in talking shit to Julio during – like, Whenever he commits, you know, talking about he's not scared of Julio. And uh, <laughs> uh, just love Dre. He's got a kid, hopefully, that will commit to Bama in the next couple of years. I think his kid's like an upcoming junior or something. Yeah, they just had an official visit to Bama. I saw pictures <laughs> of it. That's wild. That's wild. Wait, so he has a kid that's in eleventh grade, dude. Yes, yeah. 
Oh my God. So say that kid's 16. When would he have, when would he have had him? That's what, 10? I don't know how old Dre is, but I mean, he's 30 something, ain't he? Yeah, he's not too much older than me. I mean, he came in what, oh, nine? Was he, was he there in oh, nine? Oh, nine, yeah. oh, 10. He was nine, 10, 11. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, that kid, let's see, in 2012, he'd have been six. So you're talking about 2008, he had that kid? In senior, high school. Senior yeah. in high school. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, uh, Dre, yeah, just – I think he gave up a long touchdown to Florida in, um, when he was a freshman. I think that's right, if my mind remembers that correctly. And then that was like the last – touchdown he ever gave up now he didn't have a lot of career picks he didn't have a lot of career touchdowns if any i can't remember but man just a ball hawk in that first six three 200 pound rangy corner that i mean if you wanted to create a corner in the la- in the lab in a in a lab this is what you would make you would make dre and uh somebody that i've loved since day one uh Dudley, he got a number three on your list Did he? Yeah. So I got um, D Milner sitting at number three. Oh, D, he's not on my list. So if he listens to this, he's gonna be upset with me. But damn, yeah, D was the. I mean, D was the man. Um, another one of like the, you know, uh, first generation guys or whatever you want to call it of the saving era. And I don't know. I mean, just again, kind of set the tone as like what the corner standard was going to be at Bama. And so, I mean, but super legit. I don't really have, like, a play that I remember. But what the Auburn pick six in Jordan Hare. Hmm. You remember that one? That was no. pretty sweet. And he played so big in that 2012 natting against Notre Dame. Because you remember – Tyler Eifert didn't do a well, damn Tyler Eifert, they split out on him, and they kept going after D. And he kept shoving it right back in their face. Yep. And, uh, you know, D's just another one that got thrown into the fire as a freshman. Like, hey – we're, we're low on depth here. You, you got the most talent. And he struggled his fr- for the first half of this freshman year and uh, and then really turned it on. So, loved D to death. I've known him since my senior year of high school. Got really close with him my senior year and then throughout college. You know, Lester, were you there when he came to the house a couple of times? <laughs> he got a couple stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah, Lester ain't missing it. Uh, who's number two on your list, Lester? Uh. Number two, you know what? With this topic, we really should do safeties and we did. Corners. I did. Uh well, I just did DBs. You just do corner. You can do a safety if you want to. Yeah, I know, but I'll go with um Minka as my number two. Yeah, yeah, he's my number one. So I'll talk about him with you. Yeah, yeah, I go mean, for it. Yeah, because Minka was just just versatile all around, just ball hawk. Yes. Probably one of the biggest ball hawks. I think him and Eddie Jackson, um, which it was tough. I didn't, I didn't, I don't have Eddie on my list either, but damn, uh, man, Eddie was freaking nasty. Um, but yeah, dude, Mink was a guy that came in another day one starter, but one of the, one of the smartest DBs that Nick Saban's ever coached. You said, I mean, this guy picked up on the defense right away. He led this, he led the secondary as a true freshman. Um, you know, and just, you know, what I loved about Mink is that you see a lot of DBs jump up and intercept the ball and fall down. This dude would 
like score damn near every time he got a pick. You remember that? I mean, what he had like two against Texas A&M. I think he had like one against Mississippi State, one against Florida. Lester, how many pick sixes did he have in his career? It seemed like it was like almost every game. Uh, he was always around the ball, always. And uh, yeah, and he he could he could he could cover. You know, as a safety, if we needed to roll him down to the star position, um, he could he could play deep thirds. He could do whatever you needed him to. But uh, he is uh, he's actually my number one on my list. And uh, so I'll do my number two. My number two is um, Mark Barron. And he, you know, he was a safety too. He was that first hard hitting safety. You know, whenever you create a player on NCAA 2014, you list the type of safety you want to be. You got like coverage, balance, or hard hitter. He was hard hitter. I mean, that dude could play the run and the way he would fly to the ball was something that I missed terribly. I mean, watching that dude, number four, is just a crimson or white blur just coming up to help on the, you know, on the run. And, like, on a tall sweep or an option, I remember one time he had Jordan Rogers on an option play from Vanderbilt, and I thought he killed him. And that's one play that sticks out in my mind. And uh, another dude that, you know, went to high school with AJ. So, you know, he grew up a Bama fan. He loved playing for the university. So, you know, that's my 3 2 one. I've got, I've got Dre, Barron, and um, – Mink's my number one. Dela, who's, your, who's number two on your list? So I got Dre Kirkpatrick. Nice. Dude, it was like y'all were saying earlier. He was a dog, but, like, you know, tall, lanky guy, but, like, he had a damn hit stick on him, too. Like, there was many plays where he, like, laid the thump on a lot of people. But, I mean – there's a lot of people who like argue and say like, Oh, you're like, you know, Dre didn't do shit or, you know, whatever. And it's like, nobody threw his way. Like it was really rare that somebody was like actually, you know, going over there towards him. And so anyways, I mean, I don't know. He was just, my favorite part about Dre was like, yeah, I mean, he'd cover you, but he would also lay that damn hit stick on you. And he was not like a big, like muscular guy. He's just tall and lanky. No doubt, man. Lester, did we do number one for you? Number one for me is Dre. Is it really? Yes. Yes. You got anything to add about Dre? Um, Not really. Like Dudley said, people were saying he didn't put up that many stats because you didn't throw at the guy. You didn't try him. You didn't test him. That's why. Um, I love Dre Kirkpatrick. Since um, actually in high school, we had a chance to come watch Alabama play. I mean, watch Alabama practice. And Dre was there on a visit. So that was really cool. Had had the dreadlocks with the blue tips on at the time. <laughs> so, I mean, since then, I've always been a big fan of Drake Patrick. Then he gets to Bama and, uh, and balls out, you know, plays with the swag of a DB. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that guy's my number one for sure. Y'all guess how many career picks Dre had. I just had to look it up. Like career interceptions that Dre had. It's zero, right? It's three. Three. He wow. had three in 2010 as a sophomore. And none after that. <laughs> none after that. I mean, like, his uh, his junior year, he only had 30 tackles for the whole season. I mean, like, he you just you, – he was never – he was rarely in the play because it was always going to the other side. Like, he was a true corner that you had to game plan to go away from. I mean, he was that good. Yep. Plus, you know, you probably had like Daquan Menzi or something like that on the other side. <laughs> uh, Dude, that's exactly right. like he really did not 
nobody really ever tested him or yeah. like I mean it was kind of like I mean he just kind of hung out over there and uh I mean yeah he covered well but it was you know I don't know they just were not Dre was one of those guys that like every team respected yeah and it's like he had the most quiet domination dominating career yeah as a DB. literally island Dre island yeah yeah and nobody ever wanted to sell to that bitch <laughs> <laughs> man dudley dude we appreciate you i, I know we, we went a little bit long you know you get a little long hey, i didn't get to get my number one. Oh shoot i'm sorry I, I, hey hey dudley's yeah, number one hey. coming up my bad about that hell yeah cut me off let's get your number one who you got all right i got big minka sitting in there at number one okay good isn't it, cra- isn't it crazy how we've got nine guys on this and nobody said eddie jackson in that wild? Well, I was thinking it along the lines of like, all right, so I was thinking corners have the harder job. Right. Um, and I was kind of thinking like, well, I mean, yeah, we've had some damn good safeties, but I'm just going to kind of do corners. And then I consider Minka a corner, although like I know not necessarily – not a corner, but I consider him like a DB just from like for like how versatile he was. Like, Yeah, because he moved to safety his junior year. Yeah, dude was literally like – everywhere but like yeah he played safety but like it wasn't like a traditional you know like say i mean he would they had there were so many things schemed up for him like just to be all over the place and uh i mean i don't know he he was like the most impre- like talented guy in my opinion like he could literally play every position on the field um and like you could stick him anywhere and like he was going to be a dog regardless so uh, that's my number one. Minka. Yeah, Minka had a Minka had nine career picks, and four of them he returned for touchdowns. Jeez. So I mean that Joker, like forty four percent of the time, whenever he got a pick, he was freaking scoring, not getting a lot of yards, and then running out of bounds with there, like scoring a touchdown. Because <laughs> uh, you know he was such a big part of those non offensive touchdown streaks that we had. Oh yeah. Yeah, and. uh but anyway, yeah, dude. But he was also like a – I mean, I I like Dre because one thing I loved about Dre is kind of like he had that kind of like, you know, you know, dog in him. But like Minka, yeah, he was a dog, but he was more of like a clean-cut guy and like, you know, just really chill guy or, you know, off the field. But I don't know. He was He was the best one in my opinion. Yeah, he just wasn't flashy. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like he didn't he didn't showboat a bunch, and then yeah. you know, he, he was from New Jersey. He was a five star, but he committed early, so he's one of those that you kind of forgot about in the signing class. And then all of a sudden, you're getting uh, spring reports, and he is the guy at the star position or whatever. He might have been a true corner. I can't remember whenever he was a freshman. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, this guy might be pretty good, or you know, oh, gosh, we got to play a freshman out there. Then he turned out just to be an absolute stud and moved to safety and just got even better. Yeah. And uh, now he's the highest-paid safety in NFL history. So, congratulations to me, no doubt. But, uh, guys, hey, you know, other than Kenyon Drake, that's some pretty solid list there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hey, and feel free to shoot us. Um, hey, Lester. Anybody who you forgot or left off, I mean, oh, yeah. or – because, I mean, hell, when making this list up, I had about four or five guys at least for every category. I mean, Rashawn Evans, Mac Wilson, Sean Deion Hamilton, Patrick Sertain. I mean, we didn't even bring up Ha-Ha Clinton Dix or uh, Ronnie I mean, Harrison. Andy I mean, Collins. so many people. 
who we could have made an argument for. I mean, yeah, yeah that DB you just rattled off Ronnie, Eddie, Landon. Yeah, I mean, Landon Collins. Yeah, dude, freaking hella studs. I mean, I didn't even have marking. I didn't even have a Heisman Trophy winner on my running backs list. I mean, you got yeah. TJ Yeldon, Eddie Lacy, B Rock, uh, Josh Jacobs. Yep. Yeah, I mean, good lord, it's just amazing. Then you know, of course, the receivers like Slade Bolden. <laughs> she Slade says, "Yeah, Slade, Slade Bolden." But um, yeah, I, I didn't even have two on my quarterbacks list. It's pretty amazing. But uh, well, hey, I got a confession to make. Go ahead. Right. So, <clears throat> I'd put my top four QBs down. And I said Tua, and after Tua, I was like, fuck, that was my number four. And uh, so it was between Bryce and Mac Jones, and I was like, well, you know, I got to go with Bryce. And uh, But anyways, it should have been Bryce, Mac, AJ. So That's all good. Tua needed to be in there. I mean, you know, all the crap that kid got. And, you know, another just – a kid that just did everything right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if anybody did not deserve to get injured, you know, with his with his faith that he had and just his personality, I mean, there's one guy you did not want to get injured just because of the type of person he was. It was Tua. Oh yeah. And, uh, you you just hate that for him that he had that his career ended the way it did with him getting banged up in 2018 um, against Arkansas and then battling that knee injury all year. And uh, it catching up to him in the in the national championship against Clemson. Then in 2019, you know, playing hurt against LSU and then just derailing himself against Mississippi State the very next week. You know, you hate that for him. But, uh, you know, you really hope he does good in the NFL. And a guy that's gotten more unnecessary criticism since he's been in the NFL than anybody else. Like, his stats, his first two years in the NFL, <clears throat> excuse me, are, like, comparable to, like, Josh Allen's. Like, I don't know if y'all seen those graphics. Like, the dude – I haven't, dude, but I agree with you 100%. Yeah. He gets scrutinated more than anybody. And, like, I mean, he's not really doing that bad. And, like, it's a shit show down there, too. Um, Well, they finally got Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if he don't – I mean, he's going to have to turn up this year for sure. But he still needs a lot of offensive line help. They got Laramie Tunsil, but, I mean, like, I think last year they ran their offensive line ran, like, 28th in pass protection or something like that. It's just brutal. And, yeah. you know, in the NFL, you know, you can't really just throw balls up for grabs unless you got a Devontae Adams or somebody that can just absolutely go get it um, or one of those big tight ends. But you got to put the ball in tight windows, and you got to have some kind of time to do that. But, and, you know, if the guy went to Oregon or USC, he's not getting this type of criticism. It's because he just went to Alabama. I truly believe that. It's Alabama oh, yeah. fatigue leaking into the NFL. But exactly. uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, Dudley, we appreciate you coming. Hey, on. let yeah, me go ahead and do it. Call, man. Yeah, yeah. Let me, uh, let me, I, I can go ahead and do it now that our lists are done. But man, we appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming on here. It's been a long time coming. And, um, you know, hopefully throughout the season, we, we might, because I'm not coaching football at Hopeful this year. So I'll have more time during the week during the season and uh, I think a couple of years ago we were able to get some guests on which is really good to just have like a a fourth opinion of like what's going on in the field you know whether it's good or bad and uh maybe some recruiting news as well and uh so hopefully we can get you back on here because we love having guys back a second time and you did you did a great job how'd you like it 
Dude, it's pretty cool. Uh, I got a question for you real quick while I got got you on here because I heard about it, but I haven't necessarily seen much on him. But apparently we just got a dang stud Juco recruit. Um, yeah, Malik, Malik Benson. So what's his deal? Like what's – I heard he's like crazy fast. Well, dad uh, – dad – you know, as soon as somebody commits, you always want to start comparing them to former players, right? That's what everybody does. Like whenever college guys are going to the NFL, oh, who's their comp? You know what I'm saying? This guy's Tyreek Hill. This guy's Devontae Adams. They're never going to – more than likely they're not going to be those type of players. Oh, it's yeah. It's just like what they're building and stuff like that. So, that's comping this guy to Coop. Like really? With his, with his route running and, and his, his skill set is similar – to Amari Cooper's, and he's, you know, those Juco guys, because, like, you know. With his speed, you don't think he's going to be, like, I don't know, kind of in that waddle position? Well, he's a little bit bigger than that. Okay. You know, he's, he's six foot, six foot one, so he's he's built kind of more oh, like Coop. And, uh, and, you know, Saban really doesn't get too many Juco guys. It's, you know, one every couple of years. We've already got two this year with Justin Jefferson, the linebacker. That we offered off of the camp, but um, yeah. Usually when Saban gets JUCO guys, they you know, I think Kyrie Jackson was a JUCO guy as well. Um, so you, you got to trust him that if he if he sees a JUCO guy that he likes, he can come in and he can help us immediately. So I'm excited about him. Hell yeah! All right, one more question for you guys. Go ahead. With the Georgia edition and the JUCO guy. I know the O-line's still going to be pretty spotty, but y'all think we tear it up this year or what? You keep nine clean, and it don't matter. Facts. Facts. Like, I don't think people realize – okay, if you put – and we talked about this on the podcast last year. So, Dudley, if you take Mac Jones and Bryce Young and swap them in 2020 and 2021 – Oh shit. <laughs> and like as good as Mac was now, Mac was elite. But with his mobility or lack thereof, and him needing a, a ton of weapons, I guess. I mean, obviously not, because you know the Patriots, he was still good. He he either he either made the playoffs or almost made or something like that. He might have been seven and nine. I can't remember. Might have missed it by a game. But it's a rookie in the NFL with Patriots don't have any receivers anyway. Um you know, he almost took him to the playoffs. So, oh, yeah. you know, he didn't need all the talent, but he he needed probably a little bit more than Bryce needed because of his lack of mobility oh, and, he, no and his escapability. So, even if we had Mac last year, what do you think our record is? Because you got to think we beat Arkansas by seven. We beat LSU by seven. Well, um, dude, our, our O-line got thrashed after Mac left. So, I mean, yeah. if Mac didn't have that – if Mac had last year's O-line – that's what I'm talking about. Like, it would have been – I mean, it, it just would not have worked. Um, no. We had to have somebody who was mobile and who can move around. And uh, I don't know if that's, like, a part of – I mean, I don't know. That's kind of like Saban's – almost like he just always has, like, a perfect fit for everything. You know, like Bryce Young, like, we needed somebody who has that ability. We didn't need a pocket passer. We didn't need, you know, a, a dart thrower. We just needed somebody who could move the hell around. Yeah. And, uh, he yeah, like 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 in 2015, well. you needed Jake Coker in that offense. And yeah, then, you know, like two years ago, you needed Matt Jones in that offense. Last year, you had to have Bryce or Blake Sims or Jalen Hurts, somebody yeah. that can that can move around. Um, so, dude, you keep him healthy. I think the receivers 
I think there's too much talent there to not put it together, meaning I don't think you have to waste a spot on Slade Bolden. I think that Jermaine Burton and and we're actually going to do this on a future podcast. I have it written down um, where we predict the starting offensive line and the starting receiver group that's coming out for the first game against Utah State. Um, see if we can get it right. I think that Jermaine Burton is probably the only guaranteed lock at receiver. And so I think this fall there's going to be a bunch of competition. Jermaine's the dude from Georgia, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. And I think this this fall you're going to have a bunch of competition. I think the scrimmages are going to be hot and heavy. And I think yeah. they're – I think, you know, hopefully – I mean, gosh, you, I'm talking about like seven, eight guys that are rotating at those other two or three spots oh, that yeah. are available. And then, you know, you got well, lots dude, of – it's that time for sure. I mean, with the – like the talent that's been there, all the doors are open now. So, it's like, all right, yeah. who the hell is going to fill those roles? And as far as defense goes – I don't see a better defense in the country this year. And I think this has a potential to be like 2016 type defense. If it's called right, if Golding can get his head out of his ass and put the, put the beer down. Dude, DUIP's coming with it. This I year. hope so. I hope because we need it. Because you're talking about the easily the best secondary in the country with Battle, Helms, Ricks, and Kool-Aid at corners. You got Kyrie Jackson there who can play star. He's a senior. I mean, you've got so much talent. You've got the two best middle linebackers in the country, and then you've got the two best outside linebackers in the country in Dallas Turner and Will Anderson. So I think the hole is in that interior defensive line. you got like DJ Dale, Byron Young, some guys rotating there. Uh, if they can figure it out there, then this defense can't be stopped. And, I, you know, it's going to take something special to put up a 30 spot on these guys, like Ohio State offense type special. Like they might be the only offense in the country that can do it. Lester, uh, you got anything? Lester might have gone to sleep. Oh hell. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. I don't have anything else. Not right now. All right. All right. Man. Hey, one last question. Bring it. Uh, Let Lester answer it. Yeah, well, this is this is the I'm gonna put in a, a future bet eventually, but what the <laughs> score is to the Bama Texas A&M game? A&M. Yeah. Let's see what you got. Bama Texas A&M. I'll say. Wow. Thirty-four twenty-four. It's at home. I'm going. I'm going forty-one twenty-four. I think we beat them by seventeen. Yeah, that's three, a good number. Three scores. Yeah. Right. And I don't think it's ever close. I think we score early and often. Yep. And I think that, like, I think it, it has a potential to be one of those games where everybody's like, oh, because they do this. They did this with Auburn like, after they beat us. And, you know, we had a chance to just beat them by, like, 80. Was that, like, 2011 and 12? We could have beat those dudes 90 to nothing. After the Canback game in 2010 and him running all over our field and putting his hand over his mouth and stuff yeah. like that. And, uh, I mean, we had the chance the next year to beat their ass in Auburn. Then we beat them 42 to 14, but we could have hung 80 on those dudes. And I think it's one of those games where, like, Saban has the opportunity to blow them out late and just sits on it. Yeah. Well, hey, I've been known for taking a big spread a couple of times. But uh, this is, like, the first time – other than Edo, but Edo didn't really come after Saban. He just kind of came after Alabama, you know, yeah. like – cussing and all that stuff on video you know i don't know but this was like personal dude like uh 
Jimbo came back at him. I legitimately think we're going to beat them, let's say, 45 to 7. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to. I think if we we get on the gas, I truly don't think Saban's letting off of it. Like, I think we're staying on the damn gas pedal the whole time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's – I think if we didn't do it to LSU in 2020, I don't think he'll do it this year just because, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's just – I just – I really – I truly think that that's just who Saban is. Well, I don't know, man. I think – or I've got a good feeling about this year because, like, now, like, they're uh, – he's got a fire under his ass. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that happens after every time he loses a natty anyway. But, yeah, with the Jimbo stuff. But, I mean, like, dude, Saban's had people come at him before. I mean, Kiffin's but, come well, at not him. like that, dude. Like, calling it in, like, a full-on press conference and, like, just yeah. going I mean, dude, at it for 30 minutes or however long it was, 20 minutes straight. Just I hope it happens. Out. I hope you're right. I hope it is 52 to three. And we beat him like we beat Kenny Trill's ass that year. Was it like 59 to nothing or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, you know, because like you said something about the LSU game, and that reminded me. I looked it up. Um, that game was 45 to 14 at halftime. Yep. You can literally name your number. That game's on pace to be 90 <laughs> to 28. And Saban sat on that ball and scored 10 points in the second half. Yeah. I mean, like, if anybody can do it, God knows it's him. You'll hear a lot of bitching on this podcast about when backups are in, you know, not letting them get reps and just handing the ball off until it's third and 12, and then the defense knows you're throwing. But anyway, we'll save that for the season. Lester, you know that's coming. But uh, got anything else for us, Dud? Nah, that's it. We appreciate you having Enjoyed it, man. man. Appreciate y'all having me, guys. Lester, got anything else? Nope, that'll be all. All right, boys. Well, yeah, next week we'll have another list of stuff to go over with y'all. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll we'll do some early playoff predictions. Might get another guest on here. It all depends on if J-Law's back from vacation or not. Um, and then some key matchups in the SEC, you know, Arkansas versus Ole Miss, you know, Ole Miss and Auburn, Alabama has a really tough schedule. The Tennessee games, one that's that's circled on their schedule, definitely has been for the last 15 years. Alabama going for 16 in a row. So we'll talk a little bit about that next week. But for now, it's episode 62 the Gumprunners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, special guest Josh Dudley. Appreciate you joining us. We're out of here. See y'all next week. <laughs>